What's up, New Numa fam? The time has finally come for me to step up my game on YouTube. So in January 2023, I will begin focusing most of my attention on building not one, but two YouTube channels. One will focus on just audio and the other on live videos. So do me a favor, take out your phone, go to your YouTube app and subscribe to both channels now. Look for New Numa Godcast Live as well as New Numa Godcast Audio and subscribe right now because later is too late. Thanks, fam. Peace. Hello, everyone. My name is Georgian Banoff, and I'm the founder of Global Celebration, and I want to invite you to jump on New Numa Godcast. It's a powerful podcast with Norman Brown. You will love it. Norman is a great host, and I appreciate Norman. Appreciate you, what you're doing. Love you, man. Hey, this is Bill Vanderbush, and I want to encourage you to check out my friend Norman Brown and his podcast called New Numa, and you can go to newnuma.com to find it. It's P-N-E-U-P-N-E-U-M-A dot com. Norman talks about everything from identity to grace to diversity to unity to reconciliation, and his desire really is the same as what's on my heart, and that is to bring people together to be the kingdom of God, to express the love and grace of Jesus here on the earth. I highly encourage you to check out Norman Brown and the new NUMA podcast. Welcome to the show, Ryan. I appreciate you being on the podcast. Hey, thank you so much for having me, my friend. I'm looking forward to this. I wanted to, uh, first of all, introduce you to the audience in the sense of how I know you, how you came to be on the show. And then after that, we're going to get into your story. So Perfect. basically, Ryan and I, we met through uh, Don Wallabar who, Wallabar, rather, who is the senior leader at Harvest Chapel in Pennsylvania. And uh, some years ago, it was a while ago, that a couple years ago, I think, that I in, um, interviewed Don. And um, at that point in time, he, uh, he connected me to some other people, and one of them was Ryan. And so uh, that's how Ryan and I got connected. And um, today we're going to get into his story. So, Ryan, um, tell us a little bit about yourself kind of a little synopsis of who you are and then we'll get into your story yeah well first of all i just wanted to uh, tell you that it's an honor to be on this podcast and i'm looking forward to uh you know building a relationship with you uh it's a blessing you know to have been connected to you norman and i'm looking forward to see where our relationship goes and also man you know we were talking before the podcast i just want to also thank you for your service uh, uh, serving our nation uh, in the Navy. Uh, so thank you so much uh, for that, my friend. Thank you. Amen. Yeah, so uh, just a quick little snapshot of myself, and then, of course, we can dive deeper into my story as this podcast goes on. But uh, my name is Ryan, of course, Bastris. Uh My ministry is Wake Ministries. And uh, to sum up Wake Ministries, uh, it's a full-time itinerant ministry. And uh, my desire is, first of all, to see people and to see nations, to see communities 
draw closer together through an encounter with God, but to just encounter the power of God and the love of God individually. And uh, my heart is to see the nations experience the fire of God, the presence of God, and the gifts of the Spirit at work in their lives. And uh, we're also about wanting to see people empowered and equipped to walk in their identity and to walk out their callings that God had put, has put them on this earth to walk out and to steward. And so that's a quick uh, a snapshot of my ministry's motivation. And uh, we want to see, you know, uh, the nations reached, and our heart is wherever the door opens, uh, we're going to go. Uh, so I started into full-time itinerant ministry in 2018. Um, before that, I was traveling part-time, and I was a uh, pastor at Harvest Chapel, uh, Pastor Don Wallenball's church. And uh, he's a spiritual father of mine. And uh, I was uh, going I, – I went to Harvest Chapel, or I, I had went to Harvest Chapel for like a total of 12 to 13 years. Pastor Don and I are, are, are real close, and he's a, a good friend, but also a spiritual father and like an earthly father to me. And uh, I was their youth pastor starting out. I started out full-time ministry in 2012. And, um, and yeah, so, so I was his youth pastor, and I did the finances and did a whole bunch of things. It was funny. One time we sat in a board meeting, and my pastor said, you know, people are going to start wondering why, you know, Pastor Bond's getting paid because Ryan's going and doing all kinds of stuff. Just I was very busy and very active in the church, and, uh, and I was full-time youth pastor, and then I went into full-time community life pastor. And uh, then I stepped out in 2018 by faith. And uh, started Wake Ministries and have been traveling. Um, I am 34 years old. I got a beautiful wife. Her name's Kirsten. And I have a beautiful daughter whose name is Eliana Grace, and she is 15 months old. And then I have a nine-year-old son, which there's a story of why there's an age gap. But uh, I have a nine-year-old son who turns 10 uh, this year. And we, me and him, his name's Landon, we enjoy fishing together and laughing and joking together, watching Dude Perfect and just, uh, uh, you know, just that, that typical father-son relationship with clash heads at times and scuffle in our conversations. But at the end of the day, we love each other. And, man, my daughter has me wrapped around not just her finger but her whole hand. And my wife is, uh, you know, um, not an idol, but she's my world. I love her. And I just uh, love what I do. I, I love being a father. I love being a husband. Uh, but overall, I love being a son, a child of God, first and foremost. And I do love what I do, traveling the nation and nations, again, preaching the gospel, seeing people equipped and empowered, and uh, uh, encountering the presence of God. I love the outdoors. I love hunting. I love fishing. I love sports. My favorite sport uh, is football. Love the Philadelphia Eagles. So I hope no one listening to this will hate me because of that. But Philadelphia <laughs> Eagles is my team. 
And uh, Philadelphia Eagles are my team, and I love the college football as well. And we root for Penn State, and uh, I root for other a couple other teams. Uh, and it's funny because with the NFL, you know, once my team is out of it, you know, they might not reach the playoffs, or they reach the playoffs and they tank, you know, maybe in the first game. I go re- rooting for the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes once my team's out. So, uh, anyways, that's just a quick, quick little snapshot. Yeah, that's a quick little snapshot uh, of myself. Um, yeah, just uh, live in Hanover, Pennsylvania, and uh, yeah, just enjoy life, man. Just trying to enjoy life and, and see people impacted by the gospel. Wow, that's good, man. So basically, we're gonna get into your. We're gonna get back to your the origins, man. So where are you originally sure. from, and and what was it like for you growing up? Yeah, yeah. So I'm, um, and I love that you're asking these questions, and I get to tell stories because I feel like stories bring us together, you know. And uh, if if in the midst of a story, you know, sometimes when we hear a story, in the midst of a story, we can relate to somebody's issue, uh, or their struggle, or their problem, and then we almost start to self-condemn, self-destruct, and become insecure when we hear the part of their story where there's success. You know, we can relate to their tragedy. It's like, yeah, man, I'm going through the same thing, but we're still going through it, and now their story has shifted into God bringing them out of that problem, and now we compare ourselves uh, to we can relate to their tragedy, but now we're comparing ourselves still being in the tragedy. We compare ourselves to their success, their victory, or they or they overcoming. We almost self, you know, like I said, condemn, self-destruct. But man, God gives stories to us, testimonies, uh, to really build up our faith and 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 to encourage us that hey, you may be able to fully relate to that person's struggle. But the awesome thing is, is that story wasn't put into your life for you to hear of their success and victory and self-destruct, self-condemn, and become insecure, but actually to build up your faith to say, you know what, I can relate to their issue, but man, I'm going to eventually taste the victory that they're telling of in their story. So little tangent, I know, but I just wanted to share that really quick but yeah so i was born uh june 3rd i was i was born june 3rd uh 1988 and uh in hanover pennsylvania and um my mama is one of my heroes uh if if i think about it too much or too long uh, I'll, I'll come to the conclusion that she's my hero and the reason that is is my dad i was born into uh, uh, um, a hey relate uh, my mom and my dad uh, weren't married at the time. I think they got married when my one year or I was around one years old, I believe, when they got married, and it was a struggle, I believe, for them when they were just together and not married. And then they had me, and they struggled financially, they struggled relationally. And uh, my dad, you know, God bless him. God brings redemption. He is a born-again believer uh, now with various degrees of success in the midst of staying holy and pure. But, you know, he, he, he reaches for Jesus, and we got to celebrate that. Uh, but anyways, um, 
he uh, at the time was abusive to my mom, and then I come along and was abusive, you know, to me as a kid. And I believe that I was around two years old, don't quote me on the time, uh, two or three when my dad had left my mom and I and uh, went off actually and was with another lady who became the mom of my half-sister. And uh, to make a long story short, uh, my mom then found someone else, had a son, my half-brother, uh, around the same time. And, uh, you know, my mom had it hard in life when it came to dating relationships and the people that she got with. This gentleman that my brother came from, so to speak, uh, left my brother and really has no interaction with my brother even to this day. And my brother is uh, 29, going to be 30 this year. And so, uh, yeah, so, so we grew up with my mom uh, specifically just trying to take care of us and to be there for us. Another hero of, my mind, of mine who's no longer with us is my grandma, my mom's mom. Uh, she and, her, and my grandpa took us in several times. My grandpa had passed, and my grandma took us in several times. And I remember growing up at times sleeping on the, the bedroom floor of my grandma's house. She had two bedrooms, and we all hunkered down, my brother, my mom, and my, uh, my brother, myself, and my mom all hunkered down in the bedroom. And, uh, uh, you know, that was our, that was our home. Eventually, my mom fell in love with the guy who became like a dad to us for 10 years. Uh, and then again, you know, uh, they, they, my mom gets born again, actually gets saved. And that's a crazy cool story. Maybe we'll get into. She gets saved, and then my salvation follows, and my brothers. And now we start going to church. She starts knowing that you can't live with somebody and do specific things. Uh, it's called conformification. So she starts getting convicted. There's a clashing of heads uh, and, uh, with her and, and, and her, uh, her man, if you will, her boo. And so eventually that leads to them splitting and us going into an apartment building complex in Gettysburg, PA. Uh, and it was a, a ministry that actually housed single women and their, their kids and so we went from this man being a supplier for 10-plus years to now this is solely resting on my mom to take care of us. And so as a single mom, you know, she did the best that she could to clothe us, to feed us, you know, got on the food stamps. Eventually we went from that apartment complex into another relationship where we moved into his house, uh, and then that split. We went back to my grandma's. I mean, man, we were back and forth with my grandma's. I can't tell you how many times. But eventually my mom got on her feet solid. Uh, I grew up on Section 8 housing, food stamps. I, I remember, you know, uh, because my mom was trying the best that she could, I remember, you know, being in Section 8 housing and being the person or being the family, and there's no shame on this. I'm just saying I, I, we were that family 
that, um, you know, I guess had a star on angel or whatever on a Christmas tree at a church, you know what I'm saying? And they pulled our name, and I remember hiding in embarrassment when they came over and brought us gifts and uh, a Christmas tree and things of that nature. Uh, I've had my fair share, I'm sure, of government cheese and uh, the scraps from, like, Texas Roadhouse and those other places, you know, all all frozen together in a lump, and you got to defrost it and have yourself some beef tips or mostly fat or gristle or whatever. You know, that's how we grew up. And, um, you know, but my mom did the best that she could, I'm sure, went without so that we could have. And, um yeah, I mean, she was just amazing. We would always look forward to income tax return season because she would get money back, and we'd be able to go and get some of the things that we went without throughout the year. Uh, you know, I remember, you know, oh, my gosh, having to ask and borrow money so that my mom's lights wouldn't be turned off and stuff. So that's kind of how I grew up. I mean, believe me, that was the struggle part of it. I had a good childhood. In the midst of that, I, I started attending a youth group, built relationships and friends, and through the youth group had great experiences, um, you know, and, and, and whatnot. Uh, so we did have a good life, but there was a struggle that it, there was a weight that my mama had to bear uh, because there wasn't a male influence predominantly in our house. I remember, you know, multiple times, you know, just trying to be there for my family. I remember getting like a Father's Day card from my brother because, you know, uh, I, I was there for him and trying to be, I guess, the man of the house, if you will. And uh, so, like, I don't want to make this sound like horrible, like, it, but it was a, it was a stretch. It was a challenge. It, it's not that typical story that maybe you hear from certain people that like man we lived in this great house and man we my mama though she did a phenomenal job trying to raise us kids and i think she did a really good job and eventually i moved out of the house you know start doing my own thing growing up maturing and i really started growing up and maturing man when i left the church i grew up in and believe me, there's a story that we were in and out of that church a few times. Uh, but I, when I landed at Harvest Chapel and received a mentor, Pastor Don, has someone pour into me it, and, and challenge me and correct me and just love on me. Um, dude, I started to grow and mature spiritually and physically and mentally. Uh, and then God surrounded me with, you know, other amazing generals that come from that church that I don't want to name drop of, but they're amazing guys that I got to glean from as well, built some amazing relationships along the way. And, um, you know, uh, I remember, though, let me just say this real quick. I was at, I was still living with my mama. I don't know even how old I was, 15, 16, 17 years old, maybe even older. And I remember telling a guy that was there kind of hanging out, and we became somewhat friends for a little bit. And I said, you know, I'll never grow up here. Like, I, and believe me, I'm not shaming anyone who's on housing or whatever. I just was like, man, I don't want this struggle. I'm not going to live, live like this basically is what I said to this guy. My mama heard it. It hurt her feelings. But, you know, I hope she eventually understood where I was coming from. And, uh, you know, that has been part of a drive for me uh, to lean into God, to honor and obey so the favor of God rests on my life. Because where I am today, bro, is because of the goodness of God, the mercy of God, the grace of God, and not my works alone, 
But the upbringing that I have had, and I'm not even getting into the depths of it all, um, you know, but the upbringing I have is a driving force. It's part of a motivation to be a better father than what I had, to be a better husband than what my mama had, you know, to to and I subconsciously do this stuff. I can't say every day, I'm like, man, I'm going to not be like my dad. No, every day it's like, man, I'm going to seek the Father. And as I seek him and lean into him, he is going to manifest uh, something to affect my life, to direct my life, and to show me. And it challenges me on what to become so that I can reflect it to my family. And so my dad and the lack of example – and, you know, uh, the upbringing that I had and stuff is a slight motivation that God is using for the good to motivate me to lean into the Father, Jesus, you know, God, and allow Jesus and allow God and allow Holy Spirit to illuminate and manifest in my life and change my life to show me what I'm to reflect to my family. And, uh, um, but, you know, part of that motivation is is not having it. I want to. I want to show it. I want to manifest it to my family, and I subconsciously do that. I can't say, like I said, every day I wake up like this is what I'm doing, but I feel like this is what God has me doing without focusing on it all the time. Because, man, we need to keep our focus on Him and not our past or whatnot. So, so yeah, man. So I I grew up, you know, having some struggles, having challenges. Uh, one of those struggles, bro, was. You know, we were in the church that I got born again in, and I was 11 years old when I got saved. And uh, how I got saved was super cool. Uh, and I want to make – I'm trying to shorten this real quick, but I got saved because of my mama. But how my mama got to church and got saved was she had to go to the laundromat to do laundry. And uh, there was a lady whose name was Roxanne who was there, and my mom and Roxanne start to connect. Well, Roxanne was a Christian, and Roxanne started witnessing to my mom, invited my mom to church. My mom continued to put her off. One day we're taking a country drive, me, my mom, my brother, and her boyfriend that was like a dad for like 10 years or so. His name was Joe, and we're just taking a, walk, a drive. We, you know, you know, you're bored. You just took a drive in the car, and, um, and we were just taking a drive. Well, we ended up stumbling across this church that my mom was invited to. And so she's like, you know what, that's Roxanne's church. Like, I now know where it's at. I'm going to go. Well, she goes, gets her world rocked, and she gives her life to Jesus. We eventually follow. And so I'm now growing up in this church, this country church. It was a church of God. Well, the minister at the time um, had some issues with lust. Uh, turn, you know, it's going after this lady in the church, big stir. Well, then for what I understand or remember, whatever, he started turning towards my mom, I think, a little bit, and then turned against my mom, and that was just a weird thing. So that really broke our hearts and caused us to break away from the church. And uh, eventually we go back to the same church under a different leadership when my mama gets hurt again offense, you know, causes such division and a separation from what is good for you. And so out of that offense, we separated ourselves from the church. We went to another church. My mama gets offended. She leaves that church. Dude, we were like back and forth churches, man. We backslid, got born again, backslid, got born again. back, And then uh, we went to the same church again where we originally started our Christian walk. 
rededicate our lives. We're all for it. My mama gets hurt again. And I remember telling my mom, I'm like, mom, like, like, I can't do this again. Like, I need church. I need these people. I need Christ in my life. And so my mama would drive me to church. And, 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 and then she came, like, whenever I preached my first message, which I was 15 years old, when I preached my first message. And, um, and on a Sunday night, my mama came, and I remember my mom saying, like, I will come to church only when you preach, you know. And, and so, like, that was a struggle because I would have these encounters or these experiences, and then I would go home to a dead, a dead house, uh, so to speak, spiritually. And uh, there was a struggle, man, and because I didn't have that fatherly influence in my life, um, you know, uh, and, and I wasn't uh, self-controlled, and um, I, I didn't take my salvation or walk serious throughout my teenage years, man, I was chasing girls, you know, I was doing all of that kind of stuff, but again, I went to, uh, when I left the, ch the Church of God that we were back and forth with, and was looking for a church. I went to a Wednesday night Bible study that Pastor Don was doing at his church. He greeted me. I said, "Hey, do you want to do uh, do you want to do uh, lunch or do you do lunch or whatever?" He's like, "Dude, I do breakfast, lunch, and dinner." I'm like, "Sweet, uh, you know." So, so we ended up, I think, that Friday night, uh, Friday evening, having pizza, and uh, that started a relationship that led me to go to that church. Man, when I was there, I felt so alive, and, and, and I felt so refreshed. And so I was there for like 12-plus years, and, and that's where I went into ministry and full-time and stuff. And Pastor Don has always been that good influence and that father figure in my life, and that's where I started to grow and really started to mature. And what was absent, you know, that father figure, that male figure in my life that I needed was now present, and then God surrounded me with more and more people. And I would say around 18, 19, when I started going to Harvest Chapel, that's when I really started getting absolutely truly serious about my salvation, my walk with God, and my relationship with him. And that's where I started recognizing the voice of God and leaning into words of knowledge and words of uh, uh, prophecy. And, and, and that's where I'm hearing God like never before because of going to mentoring class and having that father figure in my life and him asking me, you know, and asking the class or uh, well, the group, whatever you want to call it, Pastor Donson, what are you hearing from God? And for me, it's like, wait, what am I hearing from God? Whoa. It really challenged me to lean in to hear the voice of God. And now the steeple, the focal point of, of my walk and my ministry is re hearing the voice of God, responding to the voice of God, re relying on the voice of God. And I know we hear the voice of God through Scripture, but I'm talking about Holy Spirit breathing and bringing rhema. And so that was one of many things that I gained and gleaned from my time at Harvest Chapel that's made me um, who I am as a man of God and as a man for my house and for a, a man for my, my kids uh, is my proximity to God, my closeness, my drawing near to him, but also having good people uh, in my life, having the proximity of, of good godly community uh, has been an influence in my life, a benefit in my life, and has really built me up. And that's what I went without throughout years, man. My mama did the best that she could, man, but, but, but the lack of, of, of 
the role model and, and speaking into my life the way I needed her to uh, lacked. But man, and, and, and then I lacked that at church because the pastors that I had, they weren't as hands-on. Man, they were there to correct you, like, man, you did that wrong. But they, didn't, they weren't there to correct what you did and teach you what you were supposed to do. And uh, when I started grabbing a hold of that uh, and gleaming from that godly community at Harvest Chapel, it's made me who I am today. And so, man, I, I am babbling, and I want to stop, but, but, but God is good, and God is so faithful. And I am where I am today, again, because of the mercy of God and the grace of God. And, and, and the people that God has sent into my life, but also, first and foremost, Holy Spirit convicted me and subduing my heart and life uh, has been so amazing and is the greatest credit that I can give to my maturity and where I am in ministry and as a father and as a husband. Wow, that was a lot, man, and that's been, that was some good stuff you were dropping on us. Um, so... Yeah. One of the things I wanted to get into that uh, you kind of touched on, but you didn't get into that detail, I wanted to know, like, how did you, how did you come to a place of knowing that you were called into the ministry, and and yeah. how did you kind of, like, move into that? Great question. Great question. Uh, so I was... It got born again at the age of 11, like I said. At the age of 12, I believe. Oh, so long ago, dude. So I might have the time frames a little messed up. But at the age of 12, I believe it was, there was an evangelist that came uh, to our church, uh, to this church of God. And he was, he was neat. I, if, if I remember correctly, he was the guy that would take country songs that were like secular country songs and like turn them around, you know, and make them Christian. And he did a lot of Garth Brooks, you know? <laughs> and so anyways, uh, uh, so that's what I remember of him that, and he prayed for me. And, uh, I felt like I, I believe looking back, like I was touched by God. And I think it, it took me back a little bit. And I, I remember jumping into my mom's arms a little taken back by the, the, the touch of God, you know, you know, the Bible says the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. And so there was this, I don't know what it was back then, but I jumped in my mama's arms and cause I knew something happened and, and he had pro- prophesied or spoke into my life. And he said, you've got a call of God on your life. And I believe he said to me, I'm not going to tell you what it is, but from that point forward, Norman, I had this desire, this deep, desire, this yearning in my heart uh, to preach. And I thought if you preached, you had to pastor. And so I had this desire to pastor. I had this desire to preach. And so, you know, Psalms 37 verse 4 says he'll give you the desires of your heart. And that doesn't just mean, oh my gosh, I need to start making this at my job. God, give me my desire. He gives us our desires. If we delight ourselves in him, which Psalms 37 verse 4 says, delight yourself in the Lord. And he'll give you the desires of your heart. The more I lean into him, the more it seems like my selfish desires fade away and the desire of the Lord starts to explode in my heart and my mind. And so, yeah, as I drew near to the Lord, his desires started to pregnant me to preach the gospel. So I started, I guess, recognizing the call of God in my life through the spoken word of prophecy or word of knowledge. 
as well as just this spark of desire from the Lord. And um, I remember, if I can just say this, like that desire wouldn't let me alone. I went to my pastor at the time, uh, not Pastor Don. This was uh, when I was like 12 years old at church club. Went to him, and I said to him, and he's the one that had issues with women and lust and stuff. God bless him, you know. But uh, I remember asking him, like, hey, like I want a pastor. Because, again, I felt preaching meant pastoring. And so I was like, I want a pastor. You know, I'm 12 years old. And my mom's out in the car, getting the car ready. I think it was hot. She put the AC on. And she was excited because, like, ah, you know, this is going to be awesome. Uh, My son's going to get a mentor or whatever. And uh, I said, I would love – I just feel like I'm called to preach, called to be a pastor. This is what he said to me, Norman. He said, said, if I could give you any advice, I would tell you to run from it. I would just run away from that calling to pastor. And, uh, you know, that's not what I was expecting. You know, I was expecting streamers and a parade and stuff. And so now looking back, Norman, if I could bring this up to all of you, is the opposition to try to uh, – and I say this respectfully, but the, the opposition that brought the temptation to abort the God dream, the calling that was on my life, Looking back, I can say the opposition pointed to my purpose, pointed to my calling, pointed to what I was called to because the enemy wanted to stop it before it even began. And so uh, I sat on it, still had a desire to preach. We are, again, we're back and forth with church. And, um, but, but, yeah, man, it was just this longing to preach, this longing to be used by God that really I believe started to spark – uh, me in the direction that I have taken and, and, and what I'm stewarding, stewarding and leading in today. It started with that spoken word, and as I leaned into the Lord, he gave me the desire to preach the gospel. So how did you end up becoming a youth pastor? Because, I mean, I know you said you started a relationship with, with Don Wallabaugh, and then you know, at some point you became the youth pastor there. How did that come about? Yeah, uh, a great process, uh, and that's a great question, but there was a, a, a good process. So I preached my first message. Let's just take it way back real quick. I preached my first message at 15 at a youth service where we did everything on a Sunday night, and uh, and, and I just preached out of what I felt like I heard from the Lord through what I'm going to call an encounter weeks prior to preaching my first message. And uh, so I grew up as a youth, and then when I went into uh, – I, I started attending Harvest Chapel, again, a desire for the youth uh, and to, to do something with the youth sparked in my heart. And I believe I prayed about it a little bit. I'm sure I did. And if not, whoops. But, but it was like I had this desire to, like, for the youth, and I had just started freshly going to Harvest. And uh, there was a lady who was the youth like director, and she just randomly comes up to me. Hey, would you like to check the youth group out? Be maybe volunteer to become a leader and stuff. So I got involved in the youth group as a youth leader, and I was youth led for a long stint of time. And uh, I remember she was going to groom me to become the youth director. And then, and I'm sure Pastor Tom was aware of that, and at one point, though, we came to the conclusion, like, this isn't what I'm called to do at the time, at least. This wasn't what I was supposed to do. 
and you're talking years prior to me stepping into the full-time youth pastor position. So then to speed things up, um, I, you know, um, end up, you know, going back and forth with the youth. I stopped being a youth leader because of life and job and such. And, um, but I volunteered my time a lot at the church doing all kinds of different things. And so I would speak on Sunday mornings to the youth and they would have me come in and stuff. And it just came like a good fit. So I'm working a secular job at the time. Uh, and just say 2011, I was doing this secular job for a few years and, or a couple of years or so. And, um, Again, volunteering, you know, loving on my church, giving up my time. I'm sure I spent time in the bathroom cleaning something or fixing. I don't know what I all did. You know what I mean? But, you know, that's where humble beginnings, man. And I just loved it. I wanted full-time ministry, uh, and it just never seemed like it was happening. I'm working this secular job. I go to preach for this church in Camp Hill called Christ Community Church and uh, for their youth group. God moved. Dave Hess. Lady that was, yeah, Pastor Dave Hess, uh, whose son, uh, yeah, his, son I know Brandon, Dave. his son Brandon and I uh, uh, are pretty close, you know. So, so he's a good guy too, Brandon Hess. So, anyways, um, I preach for this youth group. The youth pastor was making the transition into something else within the church, and so God moved. Eventually, she reaches out to me, asks me to come and do a spring retreat, and that she also wanted me to consider taking over the youth group. Well, I go to my pastor, tell him about this, you know what I mean? Like, I, and I'm thinking, Norman, like, oh, my gosh, I'm finally going to get me, you know, a, a full-time ministry gig, you know what I mean? And, and, and I'm not saying that's right, and you should, I'm not saying that's the main focus or concern you should have, but I was like, I want full-time ministry, man. But I enjoyed what I did in a secular job working at this group home. But anyways, I told Pastor Don, and he goes, well, man, you pray about it, and you see. And so the more I prayed about it, bro, the more I heard the Lord say, no. And I'm like, for real? And he was like, no. And I believe I sent a text or a call or something to the lady eventually and said, listen, I can't do that. I, I, I just a no or whatever. So I go to my pastor, and I tell him that I felt like it was a no. What I didn't know, Norman, was when I came to him and told him about this offer and that they want me or whatever, he, he said – what he had told me later was I think it was the night before I came to him, they had just talked to the board about bringing me on as the youth pastor. Well, I go into uh, this meeting saying like, yeah, the, you know, no, it's a no, and, and, and he smiles and stuff and tells me some things. Well, then that started the process of him wanting to bring me on as the youth, uh, the full-time youth pastor um, at, at the church uh, because they've had youth directors. The youth director and his team was kind of being disassembled for one reason or another, or at least he was going to be making the, the youth director guy at the time that was volunteering his time was making a transition. And so Pastor Don, you know, we, we started feeling it was a good timing for this, and it just set right, and it felt right for that season in my life. And so one thing led to another where I get the position. I quit my full-time secular job and became the full-time youth pastor as well as I did uh, church finances. So, again, there was a desire for the youth that I always had. I stewarded it. I volunteered my time. 
and taking that low position of just volunteering my time, being a youth director, oh, I'm sorry, a youth leader, and, and spending time with the youth, speaking on first Sundays of the month, and just volunteering my time here and there with the youth, uh, caught the eye of Pastor Don. Uh, and then the Lord started speaking to our heart that Ryan needs to have a vision and so into these youth for a season. And so that's, that's again, a long story. Tried to be condensed some. I can't say I made it short, but it brought me into uh, the, the full-time uh, youth pastor position for a season. Wow, that's good, man. So um, I obviously, being that you are married now, um, yes, sir. I want to hear the story of how you and your wife come came to meet. Yes, yes. And I should have maybe prepared you for this story, but uh, it's just live and raw and real right now, so let's throw it down. So I had said earlier uh, I have a nine-year-old son who turns 10 this year and then in October, and I have a 15-month-old daughter. And there's a reason why there's an age gap there, 15 months to nine years. And so um, uh, through my life, um, you know, things aren't perfect, and, um, you know, I by all means am not perfect, but uh, I had a, a previous marriage, my son's mom, and I got married in, uh, I think it was like June of 2011, um, and uh, we, we had dated a while. We were a full, you know, we, we were engaged for a while, and then we finally got married. Um, and uh, we had our struggles throughout all of that, the dating, the engagement, and, and then the marriage. Um, but I had just started the full-time youth pastor position in, um, uh, I think it was April of 2012. My son was born uh, then October of 2012, but in April of 2012, I started my full-time youth pastor position, had my son, you know, throughout that process, it was like we got married. We were living at our parents' house for a season until we found a house. We found a house. We were remodeling it. I step into this full-time youth pastor position. She was finishing up nursing. She was going to become a full-time RN. Things seemed to be heading in the right direction. But then in 2013, things came to a screeching halt, and I had a very challenging year uh, or, 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 well, several months. Um, and that uh, it unfortunately ended in divorce. So I come home in uh, 20, this was 2013. I come home from church. I'm on a phone call. I get off the phone to my son's mom sitting on the porch saying she wants a divorce. I uh, won't get into details, but, you know, I'm like, man, I didn't do this. I haven't done this. I'm not like this. I'm not like that. And eventually she says, you know, there's a lot of good guys out there. She says, and I'm not married to them, basically saying, I don't want to be married to you. She said, I hated you. She's like, I hate you. She's like, I've never loved you. And uh, she said, I felt maybe getting married, having a kid, it would fix it, but it hasn't. And um, that, day, that night, my life completely was turned upside down. And uh, I, I, I eventually move into my, pastor, you know, my pastor's house in his basement. It was fixed up into an apartment. Uh, he brought me in, Pastor Don. Um, man, I love him. Uh, but I, I, man, I'm blessed by him, I should say, and I do love him. But I was brought in by by Pastor Don, and I lived there as I fought for my marriage and uh, fought for my life, man. You know, and 
she, she, she ended up having multiple affairs. And just one thing led to another to where, and I, I just need to guard how, what, the details I give, but she, it, it ends in divorce. Uh, Kirsty, again, redemption to the story. God is so good. Uh, and I believe, let me say this, guys. One of the reasons God hates divorce is because of the pain, the, the tragedy, the wounds that take place in the midst of separation and divorce. Uh, and, of course, he doesn't want us to vow a vow and not keep it. There's so much more to why I believe he hates divorce, but he still loves the divorced, okay? So there's still hope for you. Uh, there's still – there can still be good for you. You can still reach your purpose, step into what God has called you to just because you're, you're, you're wearing this weight of I had a divorce. God doesn't shame you. God doesn't hate you. He loves you. He loves the divorced. He doesn't hate them, right? And so um, you've got to come to terms with that. And so for me, uh, Norman, I, 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 I've known Kirsty, my wife. Uh, her name's Kirsten, but I, we call her Kirsty. I've known her for years. It's so funny. Now, we're only four and a half years apart or so, but she was an older youth, and I was a younger youth leader. Now, this was not when I was youth pastoring. This was years and years before I became the youth pastor when I was just helping out and volunteering. Like I had said earlier, I was a younger youth leader. So it's funny because I married one of my youth members, but it's not like weird. You know what I mean? But uh, so, uh, but anyways, um, and it's really not. She wasn't my youth member, but it, it, technically. Uh, but But anyways, so one, it is so cool, man. Like uh, I had my son. I'm at the church. I'm living with my pastor, um, and uh, this was, you know, uh, it was it was it was after the divorce. And Kirsty sitting up front, and she used to always just be Kirsty, what up, girl? And it turned into um, I started getting the feels, man. You know what I mean? I'm like, what is this? And uh, one thing <laughs> led to another. Where yeah, one thing led to another. Where we. Uh, Facebooked each other. We started texting each other. Uh, she felt like, God, what's going on? Because she was actually getting ready to go. This would have been maybe like February, March of 2014 or so. And, and she's, you know, um, she's like getting ready to go to school, you know, uh, um, yeah, she's getting ready to go to Iris, uh, Heidi Baker's school in Mozambique, Africa. And, and she said, God, what are you doing here? You know, what's happening? Why do I have these feelings? Well, we started growing close together, started falling for each other, uh, probably falling in love is a safe way of saying it. Uh, and, and, and I can safely say that. I'm like, dude, what is this? Um, and, and, and then uh, she goes off to Africa, and then she was doing an extended thing with this school in Israel, but we fell in love over Facebook, FaceTime, emails, and whatnot. Um, what was so cool, if I can say this really quick, was I had this desire to go get an iPad back in that day. I get an iPad mini. I don't like the minis, you know what I mean? But I got an iPad mini. I set it up. I start preaching on it. Me and Kirsty are hanging out one day, hiking. She's like, hey, do you know where I can get a, an iPad mini? And, and, and I snicker, and I, I was like, oh, I got this for her. It wasn't even about me. You know what I mean? And so uh, I gave her this brand-new iPad, Mini, because she wanted – she's like, can I, do you know where I can get like a refurbished one or whatever? 
Well, I give her that, bro, and I end up – we end up falling in love over it, so to speak, because – falling uh, – I should say through it, not over it. <laughs> we fell in love through it uh, because of the FaceTime and the Facebook messages and whatnot. And so, uh, you know, when she, right before she left, you know, we had to talk, like, about marriage and stuff. She's like, well, I, I don't want to get married before my sister and uh, her older sister. And, uh, and, and she was like, so she's like, I'm thinking like two years or so. And I'm like, two years, like, good Lord, you know, so she's over there and, and thanks for listening to the new Numa Godcast. Once again, this is your host, Norm. Follow me at Norm the Professor on IG. I'm in agreement for power and breakthrough in your life. Keep tuning in every week for that real talk, new life.